Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. At McGuire Iron, we've been helping to store and protect quality water for over 100 years. On this episode, our guest is Bob Chalker. AMP is the world's leading organization focused on the protection of assets and performance of materials. AMP was created when NACE International and SSPC united after more than 145 combined years of corrosion control and protective coatings expertise and service to members worldwide. Today, AMP is active in more than 130 countries and has more than 40,000 members. AMP is headquartered in the U.S. with offices in Houston, Texas and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Additional offices are located in the U.K., China, Malaysia, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia with a training center in Dubai. Bob earned his MBA at Oakland University in Rochester, Michigan, and completed his bachelor's degree in industrial engineering at the University of Cincinnati. Bob is very happily married to his wife, Kim, and they have two grown children, Taylor and Stephen. Bob, thank you for joining me on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Thank you. I am, uh, I'm excited to be here again. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to hear our story. Yeah, we talked uh, last April on the podcast, and your membership was actually right in the middle of voting to determine whether to merge NACE International and the Society of Protective Coding. So let's start from there. What were the factors that led the organization to the vote, and how, where did we go from there? So, you know, we the whole process, and I, I, it really broke down into a couple phases. Our phase zero was the quiet stage where there was a lot of conversations going on with the leadership of the organization just to see if it makes sense to merge the two uh, organizations. And then um, when we realized that there was a lot of synergy and a lot of opportunity, we took it public and we went through a really extensive uh, communication effort with our membership. Um, And one of the things that we said was we weren't going to do this unless the membership supported it. So, um, even though our bylaws did not require a vote of the membership, we made the decision we were going to take it to the membership. And as you said, that the last time we spoke, we were in the middle of that. Um, I'm pleased to report it, we actually had 90% support um, from the people who voted for the merger from both the NACE and the SSPC members. I mean, it was overwhelmingly positive uh, support. And if this was a political environment, you would call it a mandate to merge. Um, So that was exciting to see because we really knew then we were on the right track and that this was gonna happen. When when the leadership sees the benefits, but even more so when the members want it to happen, um, it gives you your opportunity for success just skyrockets, right? And and it just makes a lot of sense. So with that kind of response, we move forward, and, and one of the things we said was we were going to put this on an accelerated uh, time frame if it was approved by the members. We did not want this to drag out for two years, three years. Um, of course, at that point, none of us saw the coronavirus or COVID-19 coming, uh, which uh, had the potential to be really a disruptor. And uh, we made... We, we gathered and we, after the vote, and we made a decision or, and discussed, do we move forward or do we put this on hold until the COVID passes? Uh, of course, back then they were telling us, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, uh, you know, by June, it's going to be gone. And 
but our, our leaders really said, you know, delaying it's not going to be good. Let's, let's move forward. And I'm really glad we did. Uh, it, it was not easy and it created, you know, dealing with the merger as well as COVID and then trying to keep your businesses running was no small challenge. The members and staff were phenomenal, but it also created some opportunity for us. Um, we got really, really good at doing business by Zoom and the two organizations, you know, we're headquartered in two different locations, Pittsburgh and Houston, and we're keeping both of those. Our members are spread out around the world. So we really needed to learn how to work well together through technology anyways, and this just accelerated that. Um, the other thing it did, a lot of us who normally travel for our work were stuck at home. So it gave us time to, to really consummate the uh, completion of the merger. So we set a goal for January 1st that the merger would be legally complete, um, called that the birthday, and we hit that date. We, we were merged as one organization on January 1st, and we announced the new name on January 6th, I believe it was. Um, and we still got a lot of work to do, because like any merger, you know, there's things you can do before you're legally merged, and then there are things that have to happen after. So we probably have another 18 months to 24 months of of work to do, but we are now one organization functioning and working as one organization. What does that say about the whole process and taking it back to the vote is, you know, you guys as a leadership had the foresight to say, okay, now is the time, but you judged it exactly right because your members thought the same thing. And the fact that you took the extra step to, to do a vote, to make sure that you had everybody's buy-in, to make sure that this went as smoothly as possible, I think was a great option for the organization. It was. I mean, and I've, I've been in the association world for a long time. And one of the, one of the things that um, is known and understood is that merging two associations is one of the most difficult things you can do in this business. Um, you know, if you're in a for-profit business, their money greases the skids, right? In, in a merger or an acquisition, um, there is an exchange of money for assets. And so when, when it is done, the decision makers are enriched with one or the other. In a not-for-profit, there are no owners. There are no, nobody financially benefits. Nobody owns more assets in the end. You have to be doing it because it's the right thing to do for the stakeholders. Um, and so if you're not listening to the stakeholders, it it gets really hard to be successful. And we knew that. And that's really one of the reasons why we went to the membership. If, if we would have moved forward and the members didn't support it, it would have become a huge disruptor. We would not have been able to be successful once the merger was complete because they wouldn't buy into it. So we had to get their buy-in up front. Um, one, one of the things we did, and I give a lot of credit to our member leaders because they put in so much time for this, we were constant in communication um, in multiple formats. Uh, we did town halls. Um, at, at one point, we were doing them weekly, twice a week, because we would do one at 9 or 10 o'clock at night and one at um, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning so that we were able to serve our entire membership because we have people around the world. So we had to cover both time zones. But our, our member leaders were doing um, hour-long town halls where they were communicating everything about what we were doing, being as transparent as possible. We did an every Friday um, email newsletter 
to the members to tell them what was going on to keep them informed. We used social media. Um, we basically used every form of communication that was available to us because we knew people consume information differently. Some people like to hear it. Some people like to see it. Some people want to read it. Some are getting their news in long format. Some want it in sound bites. So we used all of that so that when it got to the vote, there was not really anything that the members didn't know. Um, now, there were some things none of us knew because we didn't know what the answer was, uh, and we were transparent about that. We did not know exactly how we would merge the two certification programs, for example. And we were transparent and open about it. But there were a lot of things we did know, and we shared that. I, in the end, the, when it came time to vote, the members knew everything that the leaders knew. And... You know, the vote was successful, as we talked about, and on January 6th, you guys made the big announcement. Talk to me, tell me about the new name, what it means, and where the organization's going now. Sure, yeah, and there was a lot of work put into that. In fact, um, once the vote came was done, well, actually, you got to go back before that. Um, even to back to when we were just starting conversations, you know, one of the things we knew was important that was this was positioned as a merger of equals. Um, this was not an acquisition. This was not one organization is bigger or stronger than the other or a takeover. This was truly a merger of equals. But we knew to make that happen, we really needed a new brand and a new um, a new purpose, vision, mission that's still consistent with what both organizations did, but was really a new organization. And so we made the decision really early that we weren't going to do something like, well, first of all, we weren't going to use either NACE or SSPC, and we weren't going to try to squeeze them together, right? We've seen that before where it just doesn't work. Um, uh, or, you know, you take the logo from one organization and the name from the other, and we just did not like that. We really felt that this was an opportunity to, to reset and create something new that's built on the solid foundation of the success of both NACE and SSPC from the past. So once the vote happened, we we all, well, the other thing we knew is none of us were branding experts, right? So we, uh, right after the vote, we um, did a search and we contracted with a branding firm called Beyond Definition. Um, and they worked with us, you know, hand in hand um, through the entire eight month period. Um, it was one of the very first initiatives that we launched because we knew it was going to be hard and time consuming. And it was really, I mean, up until the end of December, we were still making decisions uh, on the brand. Um, we, we approached it, we put a team together of volunteers and staff um, and volunteers who more had a focus from the marketing and branding side of their businesses. And, and they worked tirelessly to really vet a lot of different options and look what makes sense. And, and they landed on um, the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. We did it for a couple reasons. Um, one was that we recognized that technology is changing rapidly. And the, the, you know, if you think of the word corrosion, you immediately think of steel, because steel corrodes, some type of steel structure. But how many of our assets now are being built out of modern technology, not just steel or concrete? Um, and even concrete doesn't in itself corrode. Corrosion damages it, but because uh, rebar corrodes, et cetera. 
Um, so we recognized that we needed to broaden our definition of what we protect. And so moving to the word protect materials protection, all kinds of materials really sets us up for the future. One of the things we wanted was to make sure that this name would last for and serve us for another hundred years. Um, we also recognized that both organizations in the past were being pulled more and more into industries where we weren't traditionally there. And because of that, we needed to um, have a name that was open and meaningful to people maybe who come from, I'll give you one that we're starting to see a lot of activity is medical devices. So, you know, implants that are used for replacing knees and elbows or shoulders, um, uh, other types of things to control the heart, they all corrode. The body, human body is a very uh, corrosive environment. But those folks didn't really see a place in the organization in the way we were set up and structured before. So I guess to use a political term, we expanded the tent um, through the name. We made it lasting, something that would stick. And then we turned the creative people loose to to come up with a logo and some of the other important, uh, you know, the tagline and things that would be meaningful to as uh, a broad of an audience as possible, but not lose sight of the professions and the industries that got us here. So we wanted our coatings professionals to have a, to feel like they belong here or the cathodic protection people that they still were part of this organization. Um, so it really was a tremendous amount of thought and strategy to get us to where we're at. How was the announcement and the new name received by the members and by the public? Uh, I, it's, I think it was received extremely well. So when once we made the decision that we were going to rebrand, I can remember being in a meeting and, and somebody's making a statement, half joking, half serious, you know, nobody... You know, rebranding an organization is one of the most challenging things you can do. And if in the end, 50% plus one person is happy, we need to consider that a home run because it's not unusual that during a rebranding, you're, you only get 20 or 30% of the people to like it. Um, so we were prepared for the worst. Uh, we, we had, of course, communication plans and um, how we were going to address people if they were upset concerned, um, and we didn't have to use any of that. When we launched on January 6th, the, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive um, from all of our constituents across the board. So, you know, there were a couple comments. You can go on LinkedIn and, you know, one person made a statement that basically said, I don't like the new name. They, a much better choice would have been, I think they said NACE International. They, they were having a hard time letting go of the past. But that was few and far between. It, it really has been extremely well received. I think the graphics are striking and, and eye-catching, and I think people really like that. I, I think it resonated with folks that their world is changing and they have to think differently about their work. Um, you know, the fourth industrial revolution is having a huge impact on everything from how we take measurements to the materials that we use to design and build. And so we have to be thinking forward. Um, there's, there is a lot of meaning in the choice. The, the, uh, choice, the, the design of the logo um, is really designed to emphasize science. Um, the, the bars in the logo emphasize the concept of protection. 
So, you know, there was there was some meaning that's behind it that, you know, maybe doesn't jump out at the layperson or the person who wasn't involved, but having that foundation of of thought allows, I think, the um, the branding to have real meaning. So outside of the name and, you know, the brand and all of that, what is the significance that the major coatings protection organizations are now all under one umbrella? That's, that's where the power is, right? That's where the synergy is. And we're already seeing, actually, we saw benefits of it before we were merged. In the, in the period from the vote uh, till January 1st, we saw a tremendous uh, number of opportunities around the world. Um, simple things like, so um, historically, NACE had an extremely strong um, international footprint. And SSPC had some awesome products for the um, contractors and the craft workers. We have been able to leverage those two things together in places like Saudi Arabia, China, um, the Middle East, I mean, um, uh, the East Asia Pacific region, in a way that we never would have been able to do before. Um, so we saw that synergy. Um, our voice in the in the political world um, is much stronger now. We've already had opportunities to meet with congressional offices to help them understand the role of the, the industry um, and how important it is that if you're going to invest in assets, that you have a plan to protect them and that you're selecting the right materials up front or, you, or they're going to fail. And that's sort of lost on our legislators on a regular basis. You know, they're, they're going to be allocating a lot of money to spend on infrastructure. And I really think the Biden administration for sure is going to do this. Um, but spending the money is only the first step. If you don't design it right and you don't maintain it and protect it, those bridges we build or those, um, you know, uh, towers for electrical systems or the underground Internet systems are going to fail. And so we've all together, our voice is so much stronger. And we've been, the other thing we've been able to do is channel resources that in the past would have been spent sort of marketing against each other, um, competing, to use a better term. We're now able to marshal those resources to be one voice outwards. So you, you combine all that together and just in a year's time, we've um, seen the synergies long-term I think there's a huge amount of opportunities. Uh, we've got a couple things planned that are in just in the launch stage. Uh, we're going to put a huge focus on pre-professional um, people, people that we want to recruit into our industry, our future workforce um, at all levels, whether it's the scientist or the engineer or the craft worker. Um, we need to bring people into this industry. And you don't have to look far to see the massive number of people who are going to be retiring from industry and the need to bring young professionals in. And as far as I know, there aren't a lot of people who wake, uh, woke up when they were five or six years old and said, I want to be a corrosion engineer or necessarily even said, I want to be a painter, right, when I grow up, uh, unless it's an artistic painter. Our profession is not well known to young people. Once they're exposed to it, they love it. And we've been having great success. So um, we're launching a program as we speak called Emerge. And Emerge is focused on really from kindergarten all the way through college levels and even the career transition. Uh, so, you know, we got a lot of people who are going to be experiencing 
career transitions um, at mid-career. And so we're even geared towards them. When we say pre-professional, it's not driven by age. It's driven by, you know, are they in the industry or not? The other thing we're going to be investing a lot in that I'm excited about is um, really focusing on serving the underrepresented or the disenfranchised uh, people. We, our society has gone through some heart-wrenching experiences over the last year, and it's really raised the awareness um, that not all people have had equal opportunities. And, and this isn't just a U.S. issue. It's, a, it's an issue around the world. It may be different people groups that um, are disenfranchised or aren't able to get the opportunity, but it happens in almost every country and every culture. And so we think we have an opportunity to help there as well. We will be um, uh, launching a committee focused on diversity and inclusion. Uh, we announced last summer that we're going to form a scholarship, or we have formed a scholarship, and that's getting launched and, and started to be communicated now to help people who have an interest to come into our industry but don't have the resources to be able to do it. Um, we're going to continue to focus on our effort to support uh, veterans as they come out of the military to have an opportunity to come into our career, uh, into our industry with a career. So that is also bringing our resources together has, you know, really gives us a strength and a platform that we can launch from. Uh, starting in uh, May, our board will begin uh, true, thorough strategic planning. You know, the next 12 months is going to be really spent on bringing the two organizations together and completing the merger. Um, everything from our IT systems to our, um, our education and certification programs, how we develop standards, there's still work to do. But when that work is fundamentally wrapped up, what's next and where do we go? And that's, that's where our board of directors will be spending a lot of time over the next uh, year so that as we finish the merger work, we're really ready to launch towards the future. You know, you talked a little bit about the merger and, you know, you guys have offices in Pittsburgh and Houston. What's it been like to navigate taking two organizations and begin moving them in into one, this new organization that's AMP? Uh, yeah, great question. How many times did they say mergers, you know, fail because of culture? Um, and I think that's a really wise thought. And, and truthfully, Nathan SSPC had two different cultures. Um, and we're taking the same approach that we did with the product areas. Um, one of the things that we, re we did was, um, as we formed the committees who were looking at how we merge, we gave the direction that said, look at how, look and spend the time to understand how NACE did things, look and spend the time how SSPC did things, but also go outside and benchmark and see how others do it and bring the best back. Um, we're not trying to make this an organization that you know looks and feels like either of the prior organizations. We want it to have its own um, existence. And same with the culture. So it, it has been challenging and, and COVID has made it even more challenging. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in corporate culture and the power of having a strong um, purposeful culture. And it really, I've worked for companies that have had great cultures and it was the difference between being a good company, being a good organization, and being an excellent one. So I believe in it. I believe we have to invest in it. But not only do we have the merger to deal with, we have COVID. And the fact that we are 
working from our homes and we're not able to build the personal relationships like we would. So that's, that's been really, really challenging. There's a couple things that have benefited us. Um, again, being able to meet by Zoom, it's not perfect, but it's great. So we did a lot of things early on just to bring people together to get to know each other. Not about the work, but about who they are as people. You know, are you married? Do you have kids? What are your hobbies? Um, you know, what frustrates you? What gets you excited? What's your passions? Uh, um, what, what drives you crazy at work? Uh, all those things. So we spent a lot of time really working to allow people to get to know each other across the organization. We did it in small groups. We did it in big groups. Um, we did, even did one-on-one. -on -one. The other thing we're doing, and it's not, we're in the middle of it, is we are writing down and redefining the culture that we want for AMP um, and what it's going to look like. We still have work to do there, but we are investing in spending the time to define what that corporate culture is going to look like, uh, particularly for the staff. And then I think the other thing that we've, we're doing that is really, truly important, um, and it's not something you can plan, but you take advantage of. When you have things like the winter storm um, that we've had here in Houston, or we actually had an employee who uh, had a child that um, was diagnosed with an illness and became very sick. Um, those are opportunities for people to reach out to one another as people and to really show how much they care. And they create bonding opportunities. And we've had a couple of those, and I've been so proud of how our um, our staffs in particular, but even our members, have reached out what I'll call across the boundaries, right? Moving from one or old organization to the other, but really seeing each other as one and being on the same team. Um, that's, been, that's been powerful. And, and then the other thing we've got is we've got some, um, I'll call them interest groups, or people who are meeting because they have a common interest. We even have a Bible study that meets once a week on Wednesday at lunchtime that has participants from both organizations that spend the time, you know, discussing and focusing on their faith. Those kind of personal connections are what are going to move us from being two separate organizations to being one, um, one organization and one group where we really support each other and um, recognize that there's a greater purpose. You know, for now, the NACE and SSPC certifications have not changed. I know that's a big, a big task and a big lift for the new organization. What are the plans for the certifications, and what discussions have you guys had around those so far? So, um, first of all, there's been a ton of discussion, <laughs> and we're getting really close to announcing what this is going to look like. It'd be a little pre premature for me to say something. Um, I, I will say this. When you really look at the certifications, and again, this is where we saw the synergy, there's really only a couple where we overlapped. Um, a big ones and important ones, but only a few. There was the coding inspection program and the, um, a couple other codings-related certification education programs. But the mass majority of our programs were complementary to each other, not overlap. And, um, and so those programs will change very little. Our cathodic protection program is not going to change. Um, you know, the, some of the SSPC craft worker uh, certifications education programs will remain the same. We do have a few, the coatings applicator program and the um, coding inspection programs are going to need some work. We, we made a commitment from the beginning and we're still living to this. 
Um, nobody's going to lose their certification through this process. Um, we're going to do as much as we can to dis not disrupt people's careers. And we're not going to put a big financial burden on anybody. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be some changes because although both, for example, the coatings inspection program, although both were highly respected um, and there was a large part of the content that overlapped, there were some things that weren't exact overlaps. And so we got to figure out what to do with that. How do you make sure that the person who carries the AMP certification um, really has their full knowledge and expertise? And that's the part we're working on now, and, and I'm really not in a place to, to answer it, but you're going to be hearing from us really soon on this. We've already started to communicate um, and with the uh, certification holders about what to expect. Um, but we got the, the real need of it will be coming out over the next couple of weeks to a, a couple months of what exactly it will mean to our certification holders and what, if anything, they will have to do um, going forward in the renewal process um, to, as, as we move to the AMP coatings inspection program. That is one decision we did make. We are keeping the brand for the NACE coatings inspection program. Um, the, and we are, and the other one we're keeping is uh, the contractor accreditation program that SSPC had, which was called QP. We're keeping that, and it's going to be the fundamental basis of it, and we're going to keep that branding. Um, so those two programs will sort of be the core, but they are going to be enhanced uh, by taking con uh, content and uh, processes, et cetera, out of the other organization. So more to come. Awesome. That's great. What, Bob, what has this whole process been like for you personally? Because you came from the NACE organization. You've been working with everybody in the industry. What has this been like for you personally? Well, first of all, it's been a great honor um, to be selected to lead this new organization. Uh, Bill Worms, who was the uh, executive director of SSPC, is an awesome guy. And uh, he and I, early on in this process, knew that you know, one of us was going to be asked to lead it. Um, and so we talked about it openly and really sort of put our our hearts and our minds on the table and we're transparent around what does this mean and what, what will happen. And one of the things that we both agreed that if this is really going to be one organization, um, whoever is selected to lead it, uh, even if they offer the other person a place in the organization, that's not healthy uh, because, you know, let's be honest, the team that worked for me would continue to look towards me and the team that worked for him would continue to look through him. So we knew up front that um, one of us was going to step away. The other thing we said was we've got it. We cannot um, be self-serving in this. Um, he, he coined the term, we got to be selfless. And, and we really took that attitude. I think both Bill and I, we've had successful careers in the past. We knew that whatever the outcome was, we would land well. Um, neither of us was going to take it personal. And as, as much as I respect Bill, we worked extremely well together. We did have two different approaches to leadership and management and, and how you, um, where you go with the organization. So that it became less about us as individuals and more about what does the organization want for the future? Um, so, there was early on, there was some preparing for that, right? I knew that I might be the one that's asked to 
Um, Bill would be the one that's asked to lead it, and I'd be the one that was asked to step away. Um, so, but we had a good, solid foundation, and to this day, we are friends and stay in touch with one another and and um, support one another. And he's landed at a great place as the I think the his title's president of KTA Tater. So that's that's awesome for him. The process of leading through the merger in and itself would have been challenging. Put COVID on top of that, um, it was probably the greatest uh, accomplishment in my career to pull that off. I, I'm putting positive words around it. It was exhausting. Uh, it, it, there was a tremendous amount of stress, particularly April, May, June, where you know we were watching all of our education courses around the world be shut down. Um, our, com our conference having to be canceled, um, the NACE conference, the Corrosion conference, and the Coatings Plus conference having to be postponed to December. And now we're, can you know, we're going virtual with the Corrosion conference in April. Um, just watching things fall away was incredibly frustrating and, um, and really required the entire team to step up. It was awesome to watch and see the team respond. Um, you know, moving courses around, rescheduling instructors, uh, working with hotels to, to deal with uh, force majeure and convention centers when, and insurance companies and applying for the payroll protection plan and all these things that you had to do um, on top of having to make all the decisions around the murder. Uh, so it was um, probably one of the biggest challenges in my career and also one of the most rewarding experiences. For me, it's been great to watch how the people have come together, um, both the members and the staff. The, the member leadership, seeing them, the, them work so well together and think, no longer thinking of, I, you know, I represent uh, SSPC or I represent NACE, but thinking of themselves as being part of AMP, that's powerful. And the same thing with the staff. Um, we really did re mix the staff. Um, there is not, you know, there's not an education department in Pittsburgh anymore and an education department in Houston. There is one education department. There's one marketing group. And they've had to learn to work well together. And I'm excited with what I've seen there. So that was the energizing part of it. Uh, ask me if I'd go through it again. I'd tell you, come back in a year and ask me, because I probably would say yes. But right now I'd say, Give me a break. <laughs> it's it's been fun, but it has been challenging. You know, you touched on it a little bit, and you've been very eloquent in how you've how you've put it. But this is this has been no easy task for you, your organization. What does it say about the staffs, the volunteers, your members, and just everybody to get your new organization to where you are today? Brian, I can't say enough about both. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that Bill and I had to be selfless. Well, so did the volunteers and the staff. Um, you, you know, you think about, first of all, think about the staff. They, when we announced that we were going to merge, and we've all seen and heard mergers, right? So, you know, the first thought that goes to their mind is it's a downsizing. I'm going to lose my job or my job's at risk. Um, it's really easy to go there. And one of the things that the leaders, the member leaders said from the beginning was no staff was going to lose their job because of this merger. Um, they may have to do different work because uh, we don't need, you know, two CFOs, for example, but nobody was going to be fundamentally asked to leave. Um, 
we try to give them insurance, but they had to be able to trust us. This took an incredible amount of trust and being willing to step out there. And we lost very, very few people through the process. Um, and the couple that we did lose, they actually went to what I would consider better opportunities. They made a wise decision. They didn't leave because of what was happening here at AMP. They left because they were great people that had a great opportunity. Um, so a tremendous amount of trust, a tremendous amount of willingness to get to know other people um, in a really challenging time and with the COVID going on. And so reaching out to each other and getting to know each other and learning new ways of doing things. And we're gonna to continue to learn new ways of doing things. There's not one person whose job hasn't changed on the staff side because of this merger. And so just the energy and the commitment and the focus on the mission and the purpose and continuing to drive and move forward and deal with courses being closed because of COVID or losing shipping um, because of winter storms and all the things that have happened. On the volunteer side, it, it's not that different. You know, we had board members and committee members who've given a lot in the past and have earned places in the organization, rightfully so. And now all of a sudden that gets disrupted and they may or may not be on those committees or on the boards. Um, they really had to make decisions and say, I'm not going to worry about what's right for me. I'm going to do what's right for the industry. And so that selflessness. And then I cannot tell you the amount of volunteer time that was given by these transition teams. So we, once the merger was, or the vote was done, we formed almost 30 ad hoc committees that worked for eight months to develop the model of what this organization will be. We have a 170 page business plan basically that was developed that addresses every part of our organization from what will we be doing with education to what is the, um, you know, what are, what are we gonna do with the finances of the organization, the bank accounts, the reserve, uh, what are we gonna do with the IT systems? What are we gonna do with conferences? They looked at every part. The, those committees met for most of them met weekly for a couple hours a week, and some were meeting daily um, to get the work done for a period of time. But if you added up the number of hours our volunteers have given, it is, I, I'm, I'm blown away. I, I'm not sure I would have done it, um, and particularly not being paid for it. But that's how much they cared about the organization, and that's how much they believed in the murder being the right thing. And it was demonstrated in their willingness to volunteer. I guess my final question, with the new organization, the new name, the new brand, and all the excitement going on, what excites you for where the organization is going, and what are some of your initial initiatives that you're excited to to get to right away? Uh, great question. So, first of all, I, I am a big believer, um, and I'm going to use the term fourth industrial revolution. If, if people don't know what that is, you can look it up, you can Google it, it's all over the place. But it's basically recognizing that our world, how we work and live is going to dramatically change due to the confluence of multiple new technologies. You know, we've had industrial revolutions in the past um, when steam power was created, right? When steel was created, when the internet came, those things, technology had a tremendous impact on how we live and work. 
we're facing a time unlike any other because it's not one technology, which has always in the past, it's been one technology. It's multiple technologies coming together. It's, you know, the 5G uh, cellular system, which is going to enable the Internet of Things. Um, it is drone technology. It's artificial intelligence. It's blockchain. Um, you can go on the list uh, of all the different things that are coming with technology. That is going to have a huge impact on everyone, and particularly our members. Um, and it's, I think it's one of the responsibilities of a professional association to be out there and leading their profession through these um, times. I'm, I'm part of an organization. It's called the C12 Group. It's basically a peer group of CEOs. And um, one of the things they speak about is what they call the buffalo culture. And this is a great story. But if you look at most animals, when a storm comes, they run away from the storm. And ultimately what that means is they end up being in the storm longer because they start running with the storm. The buffalo is completely different. On the plains state, when a storm comes, the buffalo turns and runs into the storm and runs through the storm and comes out the other side. So they're exposed to it a lot shorter time. We got to have that buffalo culture, right? We got to be as the professional association helping lead our industry and our members and our professions into this new technology, not denying it, not running from it, but how do we embrace it and help people build their profession? Look, the, the days that a human is going to hang off of a bridge and paint it are probably short, are not going to be here long because you're going to have drones and robots that are going to do that or to inspect a bridge. So how, what, what is the role of the craft worker in the future? There is a role for them. There's an important role, but it's going to be really different. The, the other thing that I'm excited about, and I see just such a tremendous opportunity, is being the voice of the industry to help society understand how important it is to protect our assets. This winter storm here in Texas, if that doesn't demonstrate the need, nothing does. You know, all the, it's a different kind of protection, but it is a protection. All these pipe failures that are happening across this state, every home almost affected, is because the water system was not well protected from the elements. Um, some are failing because of corrosion, that the system corroded and it was weak. And therefore, when it was stressed, it failed. Some was because the right materials weren't selected. We have a role in that. And because we've created AMP now, our role expands. We're not just about protecting a pipeline from corrosion or painting a bridge. We're really about how do we help solve these really serious problems that our society's facing. Um, so I think we have a huge, important role in, you know, protecting the assets, but also the environment and frankly, keeping people safe. And we can really build and expand on that. So that gets me extremely excited. You know, you get into this kind of work because you believe in a mission and this really strengthens our mission. All right, Bob, I appreciate you taking the time today for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast. Well, I appreciate you having me. I look forward to hearing it. And you guys, um, you know, thank you for what you're doing with these podcasts. Uh, more than ever, I've started to appreciate how our news, our knowledge transfer is going to be coming from podcasts and webcasts. So 
um, my son got me turned on to the whole idea of podcast and um, how what a difference it's making uh, about a year or so ago. So thank you for you guys investing in the technology. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com, or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.